All right, news roundup, information overload hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, we went over with Peter Schweitzer, and his new book is amazing, actually, Red-Handed, How American Elites Get Rich Helping China Win. Well, we know also that Joe Biden's helping Putin get rich and Russia win and Russia get rich. You know, this is the same Joe Biden that actually claimed, oh, Putin doesn't want him to be president because he would stand up to Russian aggression. This is, you know, remember Hunter, zero experience. Hunter got three and a half million from a Russian oligarch for what God only knows. The only thing I think Hunter can do now, uh, he can send the former crack addict uh, maybe to negotiate with Ukraine and Russia, considering he's made millions for from both countries with no experience. Maybe he can broker the peace for Joe. This is what Joe said. Because Putin knows if I am president of the United States, his days of tyranny and trying to intimidate the United States and those in Eastern Europe are over. I'm going to stand up to him. He's a bully, just like the president. And I know he doesn't want me to be president, but to tell you what, when I'm president, things are going to change. One of the reasons I'm running is because of my age and my experience. With it comes wisdom. We need someone to take office this time around who on day one can stand on the world stage, command the respect of world leaders from Putin to our allies and know exactly what has to be done to get this country back on track. There's only one way to leverage and stop Putin. And I don't know how compromised the Biden family is here. It would seem they're entirely compromised with China with Russia, with Ukraine, the quid pro quo, zero experience hunter, you know, fire the prosecutor. You're not getting a billion. Uh, the former first lady of Moscow, the monies that go there um, is a Harvard uh, Harris poll that has come out. And 54 percent registered voters say that Biden is not able to handle difficult international issues like defending Ukraine from the Russians or protecting Taiwan from China. Uh, which is not particularly good. And by the way, it's a Democratic pollster. Mark Pennant said that Biden's problems accelerated with the failure of the Afghanistan pullout that has only a 30 percent approval rating. By the way, in case you're interested, it's day 164. Americans held hostage behind enemy lines and Joe's turned the page and he's not doing a thing. Here is the the long and short of it. You know, and, and there was a joke yesterday when the United States, oh, we're putting 8,500 troops on on uh, a heightened state of preparedness because of the situation on the border with, with Russia and Ukraine. Okay, Vladimir Putin has already put a hundred to 200,000 troops on the border. He's got all his tanks and military equipment on the border. Uh, there's not a damn thing that the heightened state of preparedness for 8,500 troops in America is going to have any impact on Vladimir Putin's decision. And by the way, Ukraine's not going to really be able to fight back anyway. Russia's got a million troops, uh, soldiers, and Ukraine has 250,000 tr- uh, soldiers. Uh, let's see, Russia's got 13,000 tanks. Ukraine has 2,430 tanks. Uh, Russia has 4,144 aircraft, fighter jets, uh, and Ukraine is 285. They can wipe that out in a day. Now, if I wanted to take on Vladimir Putin, instead of giving a waiver to the pipeline, the Nord Stream 2, the Donald Trump had stopped, and then canceling simultaneously 
the Keystone XL pipeline in our country and stopping exploration all over the place in our country, um, what I would do is I'd instantly ratchet up full production of American energy, and I'd find a way to get it over to our Western European allies as quickly as possible, and I would bankrupt Russia, and that is the single best way to fight Putin and hurt Putin. If you want to, if you want to take on President Xi, you don't go to war with China. That would be stupid. Uh, there's going to be a lot of dead people by the end of that war. What I would do, very simple. You get as many nations al- aligned against China, and you stop importing their products. Period. And that would bankrupt that country. And then you can start charging them for the damage and the carnage and the wreckage that they wreaked on the world with COVID-19. Anyway, here to discuss all of this rising tensions with Ukraine and Russia, Scott Eulinger is back with us, retired CIA ops officer, Russian intel operation expert. He's written extensively on Russiagate, the steel dirty dossier that Hillary paid for. Rebecca Koffler is with us, former Defense Intelligence Agency officer, currently a strategic intelligence analyst at the Lindsay Group. And by the way, she authored the book Putin's Playbook, Russia's Secret Plan to Defeat America, which I believe is true. Uh, anyway, welcome both of you. Um, Rebecca, Thank let you. me start with you. If you want to hurt Putin and you want to hurt Russia, America must must produce more energy and get that energy and start supplying our Western European allies, because that is 50 percent of the Russian economy. I absolutely agree, Sean. In fact, you laid it out here so brilliantly that I wish you served on the National Security Council, you know, because these people uh, have messed things up, not only with Russia, but even previously with Afghanistan, Iraq. And they had all indications and warnings, what we call, you know, Scott and I uh, were both from the intelligence community, we call it INW, indications and warnings. Um, President Obama, we briefed him what Russia's intentions were, what Putin was up to, and yet President Obama ignored our warnings because he wanted a reset with Russia. And his vice president, Joe Biden, was also in favor of friendly relations with Russia, which is just a foolish policy. And now we're on the brink of war because they didn't develop a counter strategy to Putin's uh, hostile intention and top secret plan to destabilize Europe and, if need be, to wage war with the United States if we intervene. Well, it's it, this is going to be an America does nothing situation, Scott, because the you know eighty five hundred troops in on a heightened state of preparedness means nothing, and it will do. And NATO will have no impact on what happens here. Vladimir Putin is free to walk in and even seem to get the green light from Biden himself with his minor incursion <laughs> comment. Um, there's nothing that NATO or the United States is going to do to stop Vladimir Putin. And Joe Biden does not have the ability to do the one thing that would hurt Putin and hurt him financially and stop Russia from getting rich again. And that would be to outproduce him with energy and provide cheap energy to our allies. He's not going to do that. I don't see any other options. Do you? 
No, I mean, certainly everything you're saying about energy is absolutely true. And in fact, half the reason we're in the mess we're in is because Germany, under the Obama administration, decided that that making their economy entirely dependent on Russian energy was a good idea. Obama did not push back on that. Uh, President Trump pushed back on it. But by that time, it was already too late because the pipeline is completed and is now just awaiting bureaucratic approval. So basically, Putin effectively undermined NATO and its deterrent because of the German green movement. And well, they, but here, hang on a second. There would be something that that could be done. Covert operation. This is your background. You're a retired CIA ops. There's uh, something called covert operations with plausible deniability. You could blow that sucker up and say, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I suppose you could, I think. But that would uh, that could possibly create a lot of issues with other countries as well. The. Um, but yeah, they I would need is, they would need another source of energy and that would have to come yeah. from us. But, right. you know, Biden has bought into this climate change cult and is would never be able to produce any more energy without, you know, probably being impeached by his fellow Democrats. That's right. Now, I think I think that despite everything that's happened and despite by the Biden administration's absolute incompetence with dealing with any of this, you know, leaving us basically a choice between a bad choice and a worse choice. I think that in the end, you're not going to see a conventional invasion of Ukraine. I think I think Putin is going to slowly ratchet down a little bit because I think even he senses that things are getting a little tense. However, that does not mean that there's not going to continue to be problems with Ukraine. There are going to be continue to be problems, but he's going to continue to generate like a series of serial crises to constantly put NATO on the ropes to destabilize us and to weaken the alliance, which he's done a good job of doing already. So, I so he's that, a, he's as hostile an actor to the West and the United States as, as any former Soviet Union no leader. Quick break. More on this Ukraine-Russia showdown with Scott Eulinger, retired CIA ops officer. Rebecca Koffler, former Defense Intelligence Agency officer on the other side. Then we'll get to your calls. show the mainstream media loves to hate this is the sean hannity show portions of the following program were pre-recorded Continuing our discussion, our debate over what is happening at the border with Russia and Ukraine. Scott Eulinger, retired CIA ops officer. Rebecca Koffler, former Defense Intelligence Agency officer. So what is Putin thinking right now? He knows that Biden is a cognitive mess and weak and the alliance is weaker. And now he's flexing his muscles and he's got the world all worked up and there's absolutely no answer. I mean, what, what's, what's Putin's likely response to the 8,500 American troops in a heightened state of preparedness? Uh, probably he's laughing. That would be my guess. Right. I, that has no effect on anything. That's right. It doesn't. But I think that Putin, I think when he's, he's used to, he's a great poker player, a guy who's used to bluffing his enemy and getting, extracting concessions with limited um, you know, investment to it. I don't think he wants to tackle the bear of actual an actual invasion of Ukraine because that's just simply too overt. It doesn't suit his clandestine style. 
and it doesn't leave him a lot of options. He still is concerned that they could possibly turn off the Nord Stream pipeline after a, a conventional invasion. However, he'll continue. No, the to problem is, is that Europe needs that needs that energy. Right, that's right. But I mean, at a certain point, any country when it's pushed will sometimes even ignore its own best interests. So I think he's going to continue the clandestine war in eastern Ukraine and other places to create, continue to create crises. But I don't think he's going to actually send tanks across you know, the Belarusian-Ukrainian border or the Russian-Ukrainian border. Listen, you know more about this than I do. I would bet against that. I don't think he's amassing all these troops and all those military might not to go in. Um, Rebecca, what's your take? So my take is that he has assembled this fourth posture that gives them flexibility. He can, uh, if he decides to, he can attack Ukraine. He can wage cyber warfare. He can do a limited, as Joe Biden uh, termed it, incursion into the Donbass area. What he's doing right now, he's really uh, collecting intelligence by engaging Biden's quote-unquote experts, the top U.S. diplomats, in meetings, under meetings, under, after meetings in Europe. You remember we've had three rounds of meetings, and then they had a rendezvous, Putin and Biden, at the end of December. There's nothing to discuss because both sides know that the treaty, the so-called guarantees for security that the Russians submitted are unmeetable. Both sides know that, and yet they meet and meet and meet. And that is because President Putin has assessed by profiling, by having his intelligence services profiling Biden as having a deteriorating decision-making ability and naive predisposition for friendly relations with Russia. He profiled him that he can run circles around him. And as soon as he decides when is the best uh, timing, and Putin is a brilliant tactician, I think uh, there are questions about whether he's a good strategist or not, but all analysts agree he's a very good opportunist. And so he can do any of those. What I am concerned about, um, Sean, is that inadvertently Joe Biden it will sleepwalk us into a war because mobilizing our 85,000 troops, Putin, you know, can... No, 8,500 troops. <laughs> I'm sorry, 85, exactly, 85. While it doesn't do anything, like you said, it does nothing, you know, uh, the Russians have a system where they are reading our indications and warnings. And if those indications and warnings in combination indicate that we are preparing to do something that Putin is paranoid about, that you said earlier, the one thing that he's afraid of is conventional military superiority um, of the U.S. over Russia, then it might trigger their preemptive doctrine that Russians have, and they would wage devastating cyber attacks I don't, I don't think Putin, and I, things like that. Joe Biden's not capable of, <laughs> of, of forcing that preemption. And I'll also no, no, no. predict... I meant the Russians, uh, Sean. Joe Biden isn't capable of anything. I'm just concerned about the Russians misinterpreting what Biden is doing. Oh, I think they know full well he's not going to do a thing. I think that calculation is 100% accurate, and they, they made that assessment a long time ago. Uh, it's not a good situation, that's for sure, especially when you have a weak, frail, and compromised, cognitively compromised president. Uh, Scott, thank you. Rebecca, thank you. Quick break, right back. 
All right, 25 till the top of the hour. We'll get to your calls in a second here. I still, I had a lot of fun with Peter Ducey last night. Peter Ducey has emerged as the single best White House correspondent by far today uh, in Washington. And he's the only one that asks tough questions. You can tell that, you know, Jen Psaki gets snarky and, and, and agitated every time that she has to call on Peter. And anyway, but, uh, Peter yesterday says, well, is inflation going to impact the election? And Biden has a microphone in front of him. Anytime you have a microphone in front of you, you kind of need to assume it's hot. Just like tell Vladimir that I'll have more flexibility after the election. Tell Vladimir. So on a hot mic, you know, he calls Peter Ducey a stupid son of a bitch. Listen. That's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son of a bitch. What a stupid son of a bitch. Wow. That was very nice of him, didn't you think, Linda? He's and, a really and, nice guy. And and by the way, last week, he lashed out at another Fox News reporter, Jackie Heinrich, for pressing him on the growing Russia-Ukraine conflict. And one of the other signs of cognitive decline, I'm being charitable here, is these flashes of anger. We saw it in the press conference last week, and we saw it yesterday with Peter Ducey. We saw it with Jackie Heinrich. And and I think any time they push Joe even a little bit, like he had to work one day last week, given the press conference, and he, now he's cranky as hell. He's got, he needs nappy time to recover. Um, and then he calls just before my show. He called Peter Ducey, and Peter broke it on Hannity. And as his answer was, "Well, it was nothing personal, pal." <laughs> I'm like, "What kind of apology is that?" Um, what was your take? I mean, listen, I give Ducey a lot of credit. You know, he's really, he's come up the ranks. He's made his name his own, and he's and he does really good work. He asks the tough questions that none of those guys want to ask. And I think part of it is they know he doesn't have the answers anyway. Um, but, you know, I disagree with you a little bit on the cognitive decline thing. You know, I, I think that he's an older person. I do not think he's aging well. But, I mean, he's not a very bright individual. I mean, we've got 47 years of evidence that show what a moron he is. He's never had one successful moment in his career on Capitol Hill in any capacity. I mean, he's uh, literally it, listen, just a dumbass. I thought that, you know, he had a, a a decent debate appearance with Paul Ryan. I did think Sarah Palin clobbered him uh, when they debated. Uh, but that's we not what well. I mean. I don't think getting up and having a debate, like you have a moment of brilliance. I'm talking about, you know, there are exceptions to every rule, no question. But his rule is being, he's just a liar. You know, he is a liar. His whole life has been lying. That is what he does best. And he's lied about a million things. Places that he's been, people that he's talked to, houses Nelson being on Mandela. fire. He was on I mean, the civil rights trail. My ear. You know, I was at the Trinity Life right, Church. Well, they have well, no well, idea who he down. is. You're saying he's just not very smart, but do you know? Well, and a liar. Okay, not smart right, and a liar. Right, not smart and he lies. Okay, I'll take those two points. But let's go to the cognitive decline issue specifically, which you're not. It see, you seem like you're not convinced about. Let me play the RNC ad. It's better visually. I'll air it again tonight because it's it's so well done. Uh, this is him from his presser last week. The political coverage. The, that, look. Um, some of the political. 
players and some of the uh, let me ask a rhetorical question no anyway okay i gotta Linda. say that that ad is so well Linda. done i it, no uh, listen come on it's I, I so obvious i hear you i'm not saying that he's not in some sort of decline or he's having some sort of episodes that are delaying the synapses in his brain i'm not i'm not saying that what i'm saying is that when you take an ignorant person who never learned anything in his life because he was too elitist to think that he was was not the smartest person in the room because that's what he thinks of himself and he's too busy lying and getting over his whole life was about getting over so now he's old and getting over and like I just, I don't know. I just think it's a bad combination, you know? The whole thing. I'm not doubting or disagreeing on the combination, yeah. but there is the combination. Uh, I Josh, agree. Josh is in Pennsylvania. Josh, how are you? By the way, you you got a big uh, Senate race in there. I'm supporting Dr. Oz, I think, as most people know. Um, how are you? And where are you? Uh, are you following it closely or no? No, I, I truly don't care about Dr. Oz. Um, I like him a lot. Uh, but you're gonna you're gonna be picking a Republican Senate candidate, and we need that. Oh, yes, I will. I'm going Republican, need... but I don't think Doctor Oz is up to the challenge right now. Uh, I would disagree with you, and I've spent a lot of hours on the phone with him. But by the way, people doubted me when I when I was getting the crap kicked out of me, saying that Donald Trump would govern conservatively. I was. You think I was right there? See, I'd rather have somebody like Trump's son run instead of Dr. Oz. Well, he doesn't live in Pennsylvania. I mean, so he doesn't really have the ability to. I mean, his dad could buy him a house. (laughs) (laughs) I think you have to. He would have had to have been a resident by now. But anyway, what's on your mind? Anyway, I want to talk to you. Got two points to fix the presidential job performance. I was thinking about it, and I've been listening to you for the past three years, and you guys are freaking amazing. I want to say hi to Linda. Because she's doing a hell of a job for you. But I want to talk about these two amendments that a new president in 2024 should have for the Constitution to fix this. Yeah. You're talking about the, the state constitution. Be, You're talking about the state constitution committee. of Pennsylvania, correct? No, constitution of the United States. Okay, so you want two amendments, which is very difficult to do. What are they? The one we have a special committee of regular Americans to oversee presidential performance, like made up of like disabled vets or just regular people and not anybody in politics that could corrupt it. I want to well, see him. Uh, listen, do Donald Trump like was. That, the scale with the, you know, we have the ratios and stuff. Okay, if it gets below 45%, it's just like a regular job. It's like HR, human resources. You get below this. There's penalties for getting below that point. If it gets down to like 40% or lower, then that special committee has the right to have a hearing with, say, Supreme Court. We actually have a mechanism already, and it's a little different, but it would serve its its the same purpose. It's called the 25th Amendment. Yeah, but I have one where it's regular people running the committee, like regular Americans that work hard. Well, remember, it's supposed to be regular people that represent your values that you elect to office. Well, not with we got to keep people out of there like Grandpa Joe running a nursing home there. And now we can't have that. Or else our Listen, gonna Democrats had no problem attacking uh, Ronald Reagan on his cognitive strength. John McCain on his cognitive strength. Donald Trump on his cognitive strength. 
but they're all quiet about Joe Biden. Now, Donald Trump took a cognitive test and he aced it. I've looked at that test. I don't think I could ace that test. It's a pretty hard test. It just the way my brain works is a little bit different. You know, I'm so used to free associating, you know, and and at times digressing and then coming back to point, et cetera. It's just my my conversational tone uh, style and cadence. And it just I don't really think that I think Biden would bomb. I think it would be a disaster. But I don't really need the test to prove to me that this guy's in trouble. It's pretty obvious to me. And if it was somebody that I loved and cared about, I think I'd be stepping in by now. I think I would have stepped in a long time ago, actually. I will stay in Pennsylvania. Thank you, Josh. Uh, Steve is next. Steve, how are you? Glad you called, sir. Hey, Sean, you're a great American. Uh, are you following the uh, Pennsylvania Senate race? Yes, and unlike that last caller, I do like Dr. Oz. He certainly has a name recognition, and I've been watching him on your show. and I'm impressed. I mean, you know, at first I was a little apprehensive, but you know what? He, uh, he's making an impression on me, you know? Uh, I tell you, it's, you know, it's it's interesting, and there are a lot of good people running. Um, but when you give up millions of dollars in a successful show, and then I ask why, and he goes, because I want to give back, and I want to serve the people of Pennsylvania. And then we talk about the only reason I'm supporting him is because we've had long discussions about what are what's his political philosophy and where he stands on issues. Very similar to the conversations I had in 2015 with Donald Trump. I mean, I said, I'm not supporting you if you're not if you're going to, you know, be a liberal. I said, I don't support liberalism. And I, we've been friends, but friendship aside, I support saving the country. You're vetting him. And I appreciate that. But the reason I was calling was about the voting uh, rights bill that uh, Biden uh, touted at his speech in Georgia. And what amazes me, and this is what infuriated me, and even to some degree, when Dana Perina and uh, Bill Hammer had uh, Jen Psaki uh, on their first time interview, you know, pressing the, the, the Democrats, if there is voter suppression, where is the civil rights lawsuits? Where are these, you know, you had record number of minority people voted in 2020. Where is Al Sharpton? Where is uh, Reverend Jackson crying uh, uh, from the high of the mountains that, you know, civil rights lawsuits should be filed? But there's no evidence. It's, uh, it's no evidence whatsoever. But they get away with it. And I wished uh, Dana and Bill pressed uh, uh, Saki on the interview a little more, uh, show the evidence where the uh, suppression is taking, where's, what's your evidence? Other than just saying that all white people are white supremacists and black people can't vote. Yeah, look, I mean, uh, it, where are the examples? Like one thing that shocked me post-election is, you know, you had all these people signing affidavits in other words, they're called whistleblowers. We praise anonymous whistleblowers, hearsay anonymous whistleblowers, but you got people that are signing their name to a piece of paper under penalty of perjury saying that they saw this, this, or this in terms of an irregularity in, in, in the vote count or whatever it happened to be. Nobody wanted to listen to those people because they didn't want the answer. If they really cared, they would have at least listened to them. They would have vetted their stories and and see what the truth is. Um, that's the way reasonable people work. You know, the things we're asking for, voter ID, signature verification, et cetera, et cetera. You know what? These are simple, fundamental things. They don't suppress the vote of anybody. And yet what the Democrats really want, they don't want any 
integrity in the system. Anyway, one more Pennsylvania call. Uh, is it Avia? Uh, is, yep. <laughs> hey, Avia, how are you? Glad you called. We I only have good. about a minute. Okay, thank you for taking my call, Sean. Um, I know you really like to speak about monoclonal antibodies, and I know you speak about it probably at least once, if not more, a day. Um, and I actually, I'm a nurse in the Philadelphia area, and one of my jobs is I go into people's homes giving them the monoclonal antibodies when they mm-hmm. test positive for COVID. Yeah, well, first of all, th- those services exist. They do exist. It's expensive. Um, I've helped people uh, that I know in New York, and especially for Omicron, th- there's a real shortage of GSK citrovimab, as you know, and that's yeah. the one that works best on on Omicron, that variant, uh, where Regeneron and Eli Lilly work great on Delta and Alpha and Beta, um, as you know also. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a great service that you're doing. What has been your... What is your, anecdotally, when taken early, how successful is it? Um, extremely. It, it's funny. Philadelphia, they just, just pulled Regeneron and Eli Lilly off the market. Like on Sunday, I gave Regeneron, and last night, I couldn't anymore. Um, and we were seeing results across the board. Um, you know, it, it's it's. It's a shame. I mean, we have Sotrovimab. You know, we're very thankful to the Department of Health in Pennsylvania has been supplying the medication. Um, and obviously, if the federal government would allow more to come out, we would have even more to give to patients. Um, but the beautiful thing about, you know, the company I work for, they, they either take insurance or it's um, the federally uninsured fund. So there's absolutely no out-of-pocket cost for our patients. Um, and I actually had one client who told me that she called the company because she heard about monoclonal antibodies on the Sean Hannity show. So I wanted to thank you for that. Well, you know something, and, and it's it's important now that we give the specifics that, and I don't know why there's a shortage, why there's no operation warp speed for the one monoclonal antibody that works best for Omicron, and that's GSK, uh, the Gladstone Klein-Smith Citrovimab. Um, because we we ought to have it available for anybody. But thank you for all you do to help people. You're amazing. Nurses are amazing. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. All right, is Joe Biden cognitively fit to serve? Uh, we're going to go back in time, and we'll show you the videotape. Then Dan Bongino and Geraldo will debate it. We'll check in with Dr. Mark Siegel and, and Representative Dr. Ronnie Jackson and the Florida Surgeon General on the issue of monoclonal antibodies. Uh, we have Lindsey Graham and Peter Schweitzer on how American elites Get rich, helping China win. 9 Eastern, Hannity, tonight, Fox News. All right, thanks for being with us. Back here tomorrow. You make this show possible. We can't thank you enough. 